you doing today? It's an honor to be here today. If, uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Adina, and my husband is Pastor Nathan, and we are just honored that you chose this July the 4th weekend to be here and be in our Soul Care series this summer for the summer, and it has been amazing. It's right up my alley. If you don't know, I'm a therapist, so this is right where I like to be, and uh, it's just so rich, and I pray that God will speak to you today and use something that is said will help you. So we're just simply going to call this today the pressure of trauma. And some of you just saying that word, you're like, oh, God, like, I need to get out of here, like, right now. I, I can't handle this. Uh, my word to you is just take a deep breath. You're in a safe place, and it's going to be okay. So just hang on. Uh, others of you have said, well, I should have gone to the lake. This has nothing to do with me today. Um, but I ask again, just hang on. Hear me out and see what God has to unfold with you today. So what is trauma? When we say that word, you know, everybody has different things in your brain of what trauma is. So trauma could be a storm. We've had several hurricanes and it's very traumatic. A fire, death of a loved one, being bullied, a divorce when your parents divorced when you were a child, divorce as a, an adult, physical, spiritual, emotional, Verbal abuse, maybe being robbed, your beloved pet dying, 9-11, sicknesses or diseases, accidents, COVID, watching something happen dramatic in front of you or to others. And here's another definition of trauma. It's an emotional response to a terrible event. That's really deep, but that's just really what it is. It's not deep, but I mean, it's just a terrible Emotional response to a terrible event. So immediately after the event, shock and denial is usually exactly what happens. Longer-term reactions include unpredictable emotions, flashbacks, strained relationships, and even physical symptoms. Now, abuse is obviously trauma, and abuse happens to you. So when I speak on trauma, I'm including that abuse also, but I'm just going to use the word trauma today. Now, not all trauma is abuse, but all abuse is traumatic, okay? So, not all trauma is abuse. A hurricane is not abuse to me. It's traumatic, but abuse, when it happens to me, is traumatic. And trauma is trauma, okay? Your brain and your body do not differentiate between a physical or an emotional abuse. It just responds to the attacks, I want you to think about that. We think, you know, it would be different, but it's not because your body, your brain and your body work together and they do not differentiate between the physical and the emotional. So how many of you, I think it was around Christmas time, remember the freeze that happened down here like four or five days? I mean, some of you remember. And it like, it seems like all of Texas was like under 32 degrees, which is so unusual. And kind of so inviting right at this moment today, huh? But during that time, we had, you know, we're Texans. We live down south. There were so many pipes that were burst <clears throat> because of the freezing temperatures. And I thought that the reason why the pipes would burst is because the ice, you know, it, it hardens up and then it just keeps expanding, expanding and that's where it burst at. But 
being a little bit of a nerd that I am, I kind of, I looked up, who Googles that but me? I did. So I Googled, you know, what actually happens when ice uh, pipe burst. Actually, the water that's left in the pipe begins to freeze, and it freezes and causes a blockage, a block. Now, your faucet is turned off, and the pressure that's between those two points, that's where you get your breakage because the pressure begins to build, and that's where your pipes burst. Now, what can help with this is if you just turn your faucet on and let the water go all through the evening, it helps it not to freeze. Now, there's some people that are like, I'm not doing it. That is going to cost way too much money. You know, that I'm not leaving those pipes running all night. That's expensive. And then, you know, after they had to clean up and have busted pipes and repair, replace floor, you know, they're going, man, I, I sure wish I would have just left, left that faucet on all night. So you may be asking, what in the world does this have to do with trauma and abuse, Adina? Well, let's talk about what trauma or an abuse does to you. We identify the immediate effect, such as bodily injury, or if you're scared, you react, you jump, you run. It creates a response or pressure. Your body is going to respond to trauma in some way. It's going to respond in some way. Many times we have a freeze moment, and then later on down the road we kind of fall apart. But then we try to pick ourselves up and we move on. We try to forget it, push it down, so we don't have to deal with it. I mean, really, like, who wants to relive a traumatic event? I don't know anybody that goes, yes, I would like to sit down and just relive it every day. No, we just want to push it down and move forward. The problem with that is if it is not dealt with, the trauma will surface somewhere in your body. Since the mind and the body are connected, psychological injury can cause real physical problems. And physical injury can cause mental problems. It's been proven that if one continues to suppress the trauma, it's going to come out mentally or physically. My mentor, um, Marilyn Murray, and you just have to Google her. She's an amazing lady, and this is where some of my stuff is coming from today. Uh, went through a traumatic event at the age of eight, never told anyone, and she was in her 30s, successful businesswoman, top art dealer in America, and the trauma in her past was so great, she had never shared it, that it began to, to display physically. She was on so much pain meds, things that the doctors could not pinpoint what it was. She finally went into therapy, and with God's help and a good therapist, she began to unpack that. And after her therapy, she was, did therapy for a little while. She was not on one pain pill at all it's going to manifest somewhere. People do a few things with trauma. Either they carry it as a banner that dictates, I'm a victim, this happened to me, and it, dictate, it dictates every step that they make. Or they're going to push it down, pretend like it didn't happen. But if they do this, it becomes a ball and chain to them. So let's look in Genesis 37 through 50, I'm not going to read all those chapters, so don't get nervous there. But I encourage you when you get home or sometime this next week that you would unpack those, those chapters. It's amazing, but it's a lot of trauma. It's a lot of trauma. So I want to kind of just give you the highlights of Joseph's life. 
first of all, his dad had two wives and then a lot of concubines, too. It was a blended family. His mother died before he was 17. So there were like 11 other brothers. Ten were from his dad's other wife, and they all hated Joseph because he was his father's favorite child. He was made to feel less than, not part of the family. And Joseph had a gift, and he, of course, bragged about his gift and his dreams. He could tell dreams, and it was a God-given gift, but his brothers hated him for it. And so they said, we don't want to hear the dreams anymore. We're going to kill the dude. So they set out to kill him. Finally, they changed and decided to just put him in a pit and, you know, let him die that way. Well, then some people came by, and he was sold to human traffickers, taken to a foreign land. Then he was, when he was working, hardworking, trying to be his best, he was put into a household that was a nice household. He began to rise up, was, man, very honored in what he did until somebody lied on him. Lied on him, thrown back in, or thrown into jail. So he tried in jail to be the best he could, use his gifts that God had given him, and he was still forgotten about. Even when he did good for others, he was forgotten about. Finally, later on down in life, he was brought out of prison and brought into second command in the land. Now, that sounds, the end sounds good, but what a traumatic story. Like, that's very traumatic. Can you imagine the anger, the hurt, the betrayal of your own family betraying you? There's many of you that are sitting in here today that go, mm, yeah, well, I can identify with that. Many of us can. Many of you have been lied on and suffered just for doing something good. So when Joseph, his, his family was starving in another land, and they came to get grain and trying to survive, they didn't know Joseph was still alive. They thought he was surely dead by now. And they came and they bowed at his feet, not knowing it was Joseph, and I know that Joseph never processed his trauma because of the response he gave. So listen to the response he gave. First of all, it says in the Bible he spoke very harshly to them. He called them spies. He said, you're here to spy on us. He put them in custody for three days. Now, he knew who they were, but he never revealed. Then, again, you'll have to read. There are so many parts of this story. Then he told them, don't come back unless they bring the younger brother. So then when they finally came back, because they needed more grain, they were scared to death of him, then it said. They did not want to come back. But they had to because they were about to starve. So they came back. Joseph gave them more grain. And then he told his servants, put my cup into my younger brother's, not knowing it was his younger brother, that, that, little, that younger one, put it in his bag. And then he sent them on their way. And then he sent his guards after him and said, catch them, tell them whoever has this cup, they're going to jail. Well, of course, it was the younger brother. And the other brothers are like, oh, my Lord, our dad's going to kill us. We can't do this. And it was a whole nother story. Finally, he brings them, in, brings them back, brings them into a room. They're in the room. He's going to feed them a meal. And he goes into a room, and he begins to process his trauma. He begins to cry and weep, and that is only, only then was he able to forgive the hurts, the abuse, being abandoned, forgotten, and move past the trauma. 
from that point on, he was kind and loving to every one of them. You see, we were never meant to deal with trauma. We weren't. But when humanity sinned and brought in evil, we no longer were able to live in the Garden of Eden, the perfect place. So when this happened, the Murray Method, the, uh, where I've been trained, we call it the pool of pain. You were all born with a pool of pain, so to speak. We have this pool, and as life begins to happen, bad things happen, hurtful things go into your pool of pain. Now, it's our job to process it and to clean this pool and not allow these things to stay in our pool. Remember, whatever comes into your pool of pain is your pool of pain. In other words, we don't compare trauma here. We don't say, oh, your trauma's bad, yours is not. Yours is a 10, yours is a 2. No, we don't compare trauma. If I opened up and told you about the trauma in my life, there'd be some in here that would go, that ain't it. That is not bad at all. Like, you have not heard trauma until you hear my story. And then there's some of you that would go, oh, Adina, um, I, well, I'm not going to tell you mine. I don't have any trauma compared to you. So whatever comes into your pool of pain, it affects you. It's your pain. But it's your responsibility to clean up your own pool. If you don't clean your pool of pain, here's what happens. So you have a traumatic event happen. Now, the event just doesn't happen by itself. It has feelings and emotions that attach itself. So you may feel unloved, unworthy, um, rejected, violated. Whatever those emotions are, they are going to attach to that traumatic event, and it's going to pull it into your pool of pain. Now what happens later on, let's say this happens in your 20s. You're in your 30s. And let's just say your spouse comes in and says a little snide remark. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, it's maybe a one and a half. I mean, it's not that bad. They've had a bad day. They're just kind of in a mood, you know, one of those days. But it made you feel unloved or unwanted. That goes into your pool of pain, and it's like a magnet. It attracts everything else that feels similar. And then it's going to come out of your pool of pain into that current situation. So where your spouse said something that was maybe a 1.5, because it attached to things you've not processed, it comes out as like an 18, 19. And your spouse is like, what? Like, I know I was kind of like snippy, and I know I've kind of, that was a little smart aleck remark, but did it really merit the 18 or 19 that you just gave me? But what happens, and we say, we'll go, man, that, that person's on emotional overload. They're just a really emotional person. But it's because it has grabbed everything from your past that's similar and comes out. Let me explain it this way. My husband and I have a pool. We decided to put a pool in when our kids were real young. They're about seven, and we were like, this is a good idea. Keep our kids at home. You know, it'll make all the neighborhood kids come to our house. We thought it was a great idea. In fact, this week... We, me and uh, Nate and the girls, we played basketball. I think it was Monday night in the pool. It was just, it's great until a storm comes. I mean, it's real nice until a storm comes, and then you're like, oh, Lord. So a hurricane came when they were younger, and, um, I mean, like, it felt like big part of a tree. Like, it felt like the whole tree was in our deep end, you know, and we were like, oh, man, we got to get all that. You got to dive in. You know, it never 
stops in the shallow. It goes to the deep end, you know. And uh, so being the good parents we are, we said, Macy, Paige, and Alec, y'all come here. We got a game. And the game is whoever can pull the biggest limb out first and pulls out the most wins. I don't know what they won, but it was just like, and buddy, at seven, you know, seven and nine, they were jumping in that pool. They were, so our pool got clean, so we thought. You know, we got all the tree limbs out. However, something else happened. Our electricity was off for two solid weeks during that hurricane. Two weeks. So guess what? With the electricity being off, our pool pumps didn't work. They didn't work at all. So, yes, we got the big tree limbs out, but all the dirt and the grime sunk to the bottom of the pool. Bacteria started growing. It looked like a marsh rather than a pool. I mean, it was green. It was nasty. It was gross. It took a while to get that green and the algae and the bacteria and all of that because we had to get the electricity so it could filter the pumps. Some of you today have not allowed the pumps to be turned on for years to process the trauma. Some of you are sitting here going, I didn't even know if I should process it. You've believed if it sinks to the bottom, stuff to the bottom, eh, it'll be okay. Again, the truth is trauma will continue to harm you until you clean and process what has happened to you. You can't get past this. Trauma must be processed. Remember the busted pipes I was talking about earlier? You have to allow the trauma to be dealt with, so to speak, turn the faucet on and allow the things to pass through so the pressure does not build up and burst within you. So this is what it looks like. Number one, you cannot heal if you keep pretending you're not hurt. You cannot heal. I mean, that is the first step in AA, but dealing with trauma is the same thing. You know, there are many of you that have like, oh, I know somebody who needs this message today. Like, but they won't admit that they have anything wrong with them. They won't admit there's a hurt. So you must, you must admit there has been hurt before you can start the process. Um, when Alec was a senior in high school, some of you have heard this story. Um, he was on the soccer team. He was a good soccer player. He but he made a statement, his, his last game, it was his last game, and I didn't know about this till later, and he said, you know, got in the huddle, and they're all like screaming, yelling, and all pumped up on the game, and he's like, dudes, I'm not coming off this court, or this court, this field, unless they carry me off. Famous last words. Seven minutes into the game, he's throwing the ball back in from the sidelines. He throws it in, and him and the guy from the opposing team go for the ball, and Alex just not going to back down. And he didn't, and the other guy didn't either, but his leg did. It snapped both bones in his leg, and, of course, shock and denial, he falls on the, and he starts to try to get up, and the coach on the other side was like, dude, just stay down. I mean, he was in shock, didn't know what was going on. But if we would have not sought proper treatment for him, it would have possibly hindered him from ever walking or, sure enough, playing soccer again. I would have been called a bad parent. I'm sure CPS would have been called on me if I would have tried to act like, eh, it didn't happen. Get up. You're okay. It, it'll heal however it wants to heal. You have to take care of the trauma, whether it's physical or emotional. 
So a lot of times we'll go, oh, we'll take care of that broken leg, but we don't take care of the broken heart or the anxious heart or the fearful heart. I'll never forget the night I decided I had to process my trauma. Um, Nathan and I had been married a few months, and I felt the pressure building. I remember thinking, I'm going to lose my ever-loving mind if I don't get this out. It was at the point that it was about to burst. I had never told anyone. I had never talked it out. And I felt in probably 22, 23, I was about to explode. And, of course, I woke him up. You know, why I couldn't do it in the middle of the day, I don't know. But I woke him up in the middle of the night. And I began to tell him of the traumatic things that had happened as a child. And thank God he was a safe place for me and held me and supported me. But I remember when I spoke it out, I remember going, I can breathe. I felt like bricks had been taken off of my chest. I was like, okay, I can breathe. I can do this. God was with me the entire time, but I had just never invited him into that process. I want you to be free from whatever your trauma is that has been weighing you down. But remember, it's a process. I had to continue to walk that out, and I'm going to give you tools because once you walk it out, once you get it out, what happens two weeks later, three weeks later when these feelings come back? And I'm going to give you some things to do. And you need the help of God. You're going to have to have God in this because in the end, you're going to need to forgive. It may be forgive yourself, forgive others, and I promise you're not big enough to do that by yourself. You're just going to need the help of God. You know, just like we had to have electricity to have those pumps on the filter to run the filter for our pool, you're going to have to access the power of Christ who died, who rose again to free us from our past. And the good news is he is more than willing to walk with you on this journey. Yes, he is. He wants you to live life and live it more abundantly. The scripture says that, and we go, well, why won't he do something? Why won't he make my life great? You know, do it, God. He's asking you to walk this out. So here's some, here's some tips to help you get started. First of all, you have to acknowledge, and then I recommend you find a counselor, a trusted friend, someone that you can talk this out with. And I'm going to give you five, five A's to be able to process. So once you talk this out or you start the process, these are going to help you deal with the feelings because that's what happens. So you have a traumatic event. It's not necessarily the event that keeps happening over and over again because the event happened. It's the emotions and the feelings that keep bringing it all back up. So the first one is aware, aware. You've got to be aware of what is going on in your body and your mind. You know, what are you feeling in your body? Are you out of breath a lot? Does your heart beat fast? Do I get angry when I remember this event or this person that caused me the pain? Are you, are you just tight all the time? Are you waiting for the next bad thing? You've got to pay attention to yourself. You've got to go, what am I feeling? Am I feeling this all the time? You need to pay attention. Because not only are you going to be walking around like this, your blood pressure is going to be high. I mean, there are things that are going to, it's going to manifest itself. I've got some nurse practitioners sitting in here. They're, they're shaking their head going, yes, it's going to come out one way or the other. Number two is to assign a feeling or feelings to what is going on. 
Okay, so what am I feeling right now? I'm aware that something is going on. I'm feeling tight. What, what am I feeling right now? Some people that come in my office, they have about five emotions. It's mad, happy, sad, afraid, and hurt. And I'm like, dude, there's a lot more emotions. I mean, there's a lot more. Like, what I'm saying is don't just get stuck on that. Go deeper. Peel that onion back, so to speak. What are you feeling deep down inside? For instance, anger. Anger's up here. It's like the tip of the iceberg. But we all know underneath an iceberg, there it's huge. It doesn't go, this is the top of the iceberg and there's nothing underneath. There's something. So what is fueling your anger? It's never just anger. It could be embarrassment, betrayal, disappointment, being violated, ignored, trapped, unsafe. What is fueling that? There's something else fueling it beside the anger. Uh, I had a client come in with um, the da uh, daughter, and the daughter was just angry all the time. Just the mom is really frustrated, like, you know, we're trying to discipline, trying to curb this anger. And so I begin to say, well, when did this start? So we begin to trace it back, and some incidents had happened with friends and some hurts and some insecurities and different things happened. And I was like, that's what's fueling the anger. Quit dealing with the anger and get to what is fueling it. Because when I can talk to this person about her insecurities and feeling unloved and unwanted, then the anger is going to subside because we're going to start healing what is fueling it. So number three is acknowledge. So I want you to think back to when I was given that example about the pool of pain. You need to acknowledge how much is coming from today and how much is coming from the past. So when you have that similar feeling of unwanted today or unloved today, but it goes into your pool of pain and it attracts everything from years ago, remember, it comes out huge. And you've got to be able to go. And you can learn to do this because I do it. I had something happen a few months ago and I was like, I just, everything within me was like, Whoa, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's what part of this is from today and what part of this is from my past. And I was able to stop and go, okay, the majority of this, I mean, like, the situation was probably 99% from my past and 1% of that day. So when I was able to separate it, I was like, huh, okay. Oh, well, looked at the situation, and I dealt with the situation and was like, this person has no clue that what they did to me triggered that. So, you know what? It's okay. And I was able to move on and it not hang on me. So, this statement says, good emotional health is when you deal with today's issues as only today's issues and you do it today. So, in other words, whatever I'm feeling today, I deal with it today with just today's issues. I'm not going to pull back from when I was five or when I was 15, or when I was 28, I'm going to deal with my 54-year-old self with this issues from today and only today. So you don't garbage dump. You don't let things continue to build up or they will burst. As a counselor, I see this all the time, and I bet everyone in here, we're all guilty of doing it, even myself. So you're in an argument with your spouse or your kids or, you know, a friend or whatever. And I may be 
in an argument and we're talking about, Nathan, you forgot to take the trash out again. And I'm mad about that. And he goes, well, you didn't do blah, blah, blah five weeks ago. And I'm like, well, if you would have done this five years ago, blah, blah, and there we go. We're garbage dumped. We just borrowed from our feelings of five years ago. Onto the, the issue was garbage. Just take the garbage out. Not all the other stuff. That happens so much in, in couples because we're trying to defend ourselves rather than what is today, what are the issues today, what are the feelings today, let's just deal with those. Number four, affirm the right to feel those feelings. I also have people come in and they're like, well, what they're saying, they don't really feel that way. That's just stupid. No, you have the right to feel whatever you're feeling, okay? Because what I'm feeling sometimes, my husband has no clue or my kids have no clue what I'm feeling. And they may not even be able to see it, but it's okay for me to feel whatever I'm feeling. The big thing is you can't just stay there. Because I tell you this, feelings do not lead you down the right path. Negative feelings will lead to more negative feelings, to more negative feelings, which will lead you to depression, anxiety, and a lot of yucky things. So our fifth one, fifth A is appropriate actions. You need to take appropriate actions. Number one, you just got to walk in truth. What is the truth? Do not allow those feelings to just, because if you think on the things that you have thought about, the things that kind of drive you crazy, most of those are not even true. A lot of them are not true, and yet we sit there and we marinate in that. You've got to walk out truth. So when you've gone through the five A's, then you've got to process the truth. Let's do this. My favorite, favorite scripture is Philippians 4 and 8. Love this scripture. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. goes on into the next scripture, and it says, you got to keep practicing this, and the peace comes. So it didn't say you're going to get right, like, man, Adina gave me that today, and I'm all, I'm going to do that, and it's all going to, you got to practice it. So I want you to look at it like a checklist, okay? So if today I tell Nathan, I say, hey, on your way home from church, I need you to get milk, eggs, and flour. Babe, what will you get? Milk, eggs, and flour, and a lot of other stuff that we do not need because he's a man. <laughs> Sorry, babe. I do have the mic today, so it's kind of nice. <laughs> but he will get milk, eggs, and flour because it wasn't like, hey, would you get milk or eggs or flour? It was, I need milk, eggs, and flour. This scripture is a checklist. So I want you to begin to start taking your thoughts and walk this out. When you have a thought that you're struggling with, you've got to figure out, is it true? Number one, is it true? And there's a lot of things that are not good that are true. Okay, so maybe we can get past one. Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? 
is it of a good report. If it can't get past those six, you don't need to think on it. We are marinating in things that are not lovely and of a good report. It says if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these. We have allowed ourselves to get what's true. It may be bad. It may be negative. But it's true. I'm going to just stay right there and think on it. No, the scripture said it's got to pass that checklist. And I encourage you to look at that. Check it off. Make a little list. Is it true? Is it lovely? Pure? And if it isn't, you got to. It says in that scripture, the first part, another uh, translation says, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts. If I fix something, you may not be able to tell it, but I did fix my hair today. I did take time and fix it. So I just didn't roll out of bed and just hope that it fell into place. I had to fix it. You've got to work on fixing your thoughts on the good, not the bad. When, when trauma happens, it is not the wound or the trauma that causes the long-term damage, but the long-term neglect of the wound. So, for instance, if I have an infection and I don't take care of it, if I had a major uh, cut that I just didn't take care of, it's going to get infected. I mean, you probably all know of people who have had small things happen to them and they didn't get it taken care of and it can even kill them. It's not necessarily, it's, it's not the wound that caused the problem. It's that they didn't take care of the wound. And if you don't take care of the trauma, it will affect. It's been proven the sooner you unpack it, the quicker you can move forward. Unpacking has to be done. Unpacking your trauma has to be done so you can have a healthy future. I encourage you to get the help you need. I encourage you today to start this road to unpacking the trauma. There's a promise, and I want, I want you to walk out of here carrying it today. It says, God will never leave you or forsake you. He has always been there with you. He will always be there. This is a promise. And as you begin freedom, and if you have not gone through our freedom life groups, it's coming up. In August, I encourage you, get in the freedom life group it is life and life more abundantly, and it will help you walk this process out. The scripture also says to bear one another's burdens. Find someone that can bear that burden with you and process it. You know, I don't know of anybody sitting in this room that if I'm, we knew of your trauma that says, I asked for that trauma. I mean, like, come really? Nobody raises their hand and says, I want trauma. Bring it my way. No, no one does. So why are you embarrassed of it? You didn't ask for it. But get the help you need. And remember, the faucet in your life will not have to drip forever. It's just for a season till the frozen parts of your life are thawed out. There is not one person in here that has your faucet on today because you're afraid your pipes will freeze. We're like, my Lord, it's triple digits. It's hot as I'll get out. No, that was just a season. The same thing with trauma. You will not have to leave it on. You don't, you won't have to process it every day for the next 20 years. It's just for a season. I promise you're going to feel better. 
and your emotional health will be restored. 2 Timothy 1, 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and my favorite part, and a sound mind. There are people sitting in here that your brain is just on overload. You have not found the peace. And I pray today that you will begin to walk this process of letting these things out so it doesn't burst out in an unhealthy way. God's here to take your trauma, your hurt, heal the parts that no one even knows that are there. He cares and he wants you to bring those places to him today. Would you stand today? I'm asking our prayer counselors if they will come forth today. Now, they're not here necessarily. You don't have to tell them all that you've gone through and all your traumatic things, but they are here to help you just start that start, to pray with you, to have the courage to begin to lay these things at his feet. So I'm going to pray over you, and then as the group begins to sing, if you would like to come forward for prayer, they're here for that, or if you just want to come around and worship, we're here for that, to lay these things at his feet. Would you bow your head? God, I thank you for every person that is here today. I thank you, God, that you are speaking to people. Things that have never even been brought up are bubbling up today with what we've talked about. God, I pray that you would give people strength and the courage to take the next step, to begin the process. God, there are people here that have said, I can't, I can't, but they can with you. God, because you promised to give us life and life more abundantly, doesn't matter what the past is. You didn't say in your word that you only get life abundantly if you've lived a perfect life, which thank the Lord that you didn't say that because none of us could have walked it. But you just promised life more and more abundantly no matter the past. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you. I just pray that you would minister, strengthen people today when those, those wounded parts are being exposed. I just pray that your comfort and your peace would envelop them today, God. We give our past to you. We give our trauma to you. We give our hurt to you, knowing that it is safe within you. I pray blessings on every person in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, in Jesus' name.